pharmaceutical companies are vowing not to cut corners on a coronavirus vaccine. Lupita Nyong'o posted a heartfelt tribute to Chadwick Boseman on Instagram. And we have the new queen of late night, Amber Ruffin, with us to talk about her new show. The date, September 8th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey, everyone, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome back to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. We picked a hell of a week to take off, Casey. Oh, we sure did. (laughs) (laughs) I deleted Twitter from my phone, but I kept opening it in like mobile Chrome, despite Uh that fact, because I'm dumb. That's what happened. No, yeah, I deleted Slack, which is how our team all communicates. And um, every time I saw a story that I wanted to share, I'd try and find it. And then eventually I just had to re-download it. I couldn't live without it. That is a problem. I know. I know it is. (laughs) So hopefully everyone else out there got a little bit more rest than we did. Well, that's a lie. I got pretty, I got a good amount of rest. Like I spent about 24 hours of the last week playing for the first time Final Fantasy 7. Yes. I don't know what that is, but I support you. It was like one of the major RPGs on the first PlayStation back in like Uh. early 2000s. And I'd never played it. So I downloaded it for Xbox and it's been an amazing, amazing trip back into like video games past. My parents have a pool. So for the past three days, just imagine that my entire body was under the water, like up till my chin. And that's what I did because as you know, California is real hot right now. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, Time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. Pivoting off of all that, Casey, California is hitting records left and right as 14,000 firefighters are battling 25 major wildfires statewide. That number comes from Cal Fire, the state's Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, which says that more than 2 million acres have burned already across California. The smoke from the wildfires there and in other western states like Colorado and Oregon has blotted out the sun in some areas, leaving air quality poor and the skies orange and hazy. Authorities say that one fire in the El Dorado area of California, though, that scorched at least 700 acres and caused hundreds of people to flee, was actually set off by a pyrotechnic used at a gender reveal party. A spokesperson told BuzzFeed News it wasn't immediately clear what kind of device was being used, but it is believed to have either emitted colored smoke or fireworks to reveal the baby's sex. Hayes, but the wild thing in all of this was that this exact same thing happened in 2018 in Arizona, where it was a gender reveal fire that was started. I mean, that is, oh, why? Right, and so that's, on the one hand, just, Super bad. Just don't do it, guys. If you're going to have a gender reveal party at all, which question mark, use cake. Cake is not going to start a fire. Let's just leave it at that. Second of all, uh, climate change sure is bad. I'm just not loving this right now. Yeah. And you were saying like that the skies are like orange and hazy and they really are. It looks apocalyptic. Yesterday, I walked outside of my house at like 10 in the morning and, you know, like I'd woken up. So I was like, thought I was seeing things and the I could see like the sun, like through the trees on the ground. It was orange. And I was like, what? It, It felt like it was a sunset or something like that. It is truly wild. Like seeing it. The air quality is very poor right now. Well, I hate it. Good luck to everyone, including you out there in California right now. Moving on, a group of major pharmaceutical companies issued a statement today that's pretty wild, promising not to cut corners on a coronavirus vaccine. 
Nine CEOs from companies working on developing potential vaccines signed on to the open letter released today that pledges to only ask for a new drug to be approved if it's passed all the needed clinical trials and, quote, always make the safety and well-being of vaccinated individuals our top priority. The pledge was signed by executives from AstraZeneca, GlaxoSmithKline, Johnson Johnson, Moderna Inc., and Pfizer. It's interesting that they feel this is necessary since President Trump has repeatedly hinted that a vaccine may be available before the election, even as experts say that's a really, really long shot. And vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris over the weekend said that if a vaccine is ready before the election, she would need more than just Trump's word that it's safe. Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. Um, I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump. And it would have to be a credible source of information that talks about the, um, the efficacy and the, and the reliability of whatever he's talking about. I will not take his word for it. He wants us to inject bleach. I, no, I will not take his word. And finally, the House of Representatives is looking into whether the postmaster general violated campaign finance laws during his rise in Republican politics. The Washington Post reported on Sunday that former employees of Louis DeJoy's former business, New Breed Logistics, were encouraged to attend fundraisers DeJoy held and donate to Republican candidates. Two former employees also said that they would then be reimbursed for their donations in the form of bonuses from the company. That first part would be kind of rude, but the second, paying out bonuses as a trade for donating, would be bad because uh, it is hella illegal to hide where political donations are coming from to get around maximum donation limits. A spokesperson for DeJoy didn't answer specific questions the Post asked about those reimbursements, only saying, quote, Mr. DeJoy believes that he has always followed campaign fundraising laws and regulations. Now the House Oversight Committee will be investigating, saying that DeJoy may have lied to the panel under oath. DeJoy still owes them documents that Dems subpoenaed last week related to alleged election-related slowdowns of the Postal Service. Woof! Uh, yeah. Another time, DeJoy is just in the news all around. <laughs> I, I cannot believe how much we're talking about the Postmaster General in 2020. I know! Like, that's the kind of job that until recently, I feel like most people forgot existed. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about the um, the cutting corner statement on the vaccine, because I think when everyone read that, everyone like, you know, who who is prescribed drugs and takes them, you know, a lot of America was like, wait, what? When do you cut corners? <laughs> Have you done it for me before? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, no question mark is the is the answer. They're they're only putting out this statement because of how many questions people have, given how much the president is, and the political process is pushing them to get out a vaccine now. So I saw something interesting from a writer for Stat, which is a, a journal that writes about you know medical issues in the pharmaceutical company. They want the FDA, these pharmaceutical companies, they want the FDA to be strong in this case. And that seems counterintuitive, but it's kind of a cover your ass. Like if they want to be able to sell this product, they want the FDA to be like, nope, it's good. This is a really good product. Please buy and use this. <laughs> okay, Casey, what's hitting on the pop culture radar today? Well, this weekend, Disney released its live action remake of Mulan and the reaction has been very mixed. With most theaters in the U.S. still closed, Disney opted to charge a one-time $30 fee to be able to stream the movie for as long as you have your Disney Plus subscription. But aside from the high price tag, critics were also less than impressed with the tone and pacing of the movie. 
Making things worse, though, the New York Times noted last night that in the movie's credits, Disney thanked eight government entities in China's Xinjiang province. That included the local propaganda department and the local security forces. We were talking before our hiatus about how China's government has been detaining and indoctrinating Muslims in the Xinjiang region since 2017. So a lot of people who saw that in the credits were like, what? It's not clear yet what the relationship between Disney and the local government was, but the film's production designer told Architecture Digest recently that they spent months in the region to do research before filming. That's a big yikes on Disney's part. Just a big old yikes there. It really is. It's like very much like if you hop on Twitter, it's really reading as just like pro-police in China, which, as we just said, is it can be extremely problematic given um, that they're detaining Muslims. Yeah, apparently the region where they were filming also has a lot of detention camps for said Muslims in the area, according to the Times. And according to, and if you want to check that out more, you should go back and listen to our episode on Xinjiang from the end of August and go read the BuzzFeed News reporting on it. Yikes. Just all I can say right now. Meanwhile, Lupita Nyong'o has posted a tribute to Chadwick Boseman after his passing late last month. Chadwick's death from prostate cancer on August 28th was a collective gut punch, one that was made all the more devastating because of the outpouring of grief from fans and the people who worked with him. Lupita starred alongside Chadwick in 2019's Black Panther, playing Wakandan spy Nakia. And she explained in her statement today why she took longer than some of the other celebrities to post her tribute. In a lengthy Instagram post, Lupita recalled some of her memories of working with Chadwick on set and how he never seemed to rush, despite going all in on life. She wrote, quote, Chadwick's death is something I can neither take in nor take in my stride right now, perhaps with time. I'm going to take my time, and in his honor, I will not waste my time. I hope you will do the same. Well said, Lupita. Well said. It is. And I do think what she's saying, like, really, really strikes true in that it's this, like, really hit people in an unexpected way. So it makes sense that as someone who knew him, she's going to take her time. I think with death, when it's unexpected like that, you really do. It's something you grapple and struggle with. So... I'm glad she's taking this time and she's doing what she needs to honor, respect, love him, etc. Right? Like, we expect people in the spotlight to process almost immediately sometimes. And so good for her for rejecting that notion. And finally, shifting gears to offer a huge congrats to K-pop stands of the world. BTS is on top of the Billboard Hot 100 for the second week in a row. The Korean boy band Colossus released their first English-only single, Dynamite, late last month. And uh, yeah, it deserves to be on top. put the song at number one last Monday, making BTS the first all South Korean band to have a single on top of the chart. And the numbers they're racking up are still as explosive as their first week. Even dropping by almost half since it premiered, Dynamite was still streamed 17.5 million times in the U.S. last week. So now please enjoy the audio of BTS learning that they're still number one.
gonna confess, listened to it for the first time this morning, and the hook is still kind of stuck in my head. Uh, yeah, it should be stuck in your head. The music video is wonderful and colorful. I was actually thinking it's so great that it dropped right now. Like a lot of people are like, oh, it's the end of summer. And then like, this video was like, no, it's still summer, which is great because not a lot of people realize in California that September does not mean fall for us. Um, Halloween is usually often hot here. So it's like, <laughs> we don't, we're not hitting fall till November. So it's like nice to be like, yeah, I love this music video. It represents my life right now. I'm glad someone is finally thinking of California. <laughs> When we come back, we've got Amber Ruffin with us to fill us in on her upcoming foray into late night hosting. Stay right there. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Conquer your New Year's resolution to be more productive with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, time management and productivity expert Laura Vanderkam teaches you how to make the most of your time, both at work and at home. These are the practical suggestions you need to get more done with your day. Just as lifting weights keeps our bodies strong as we age, learning new skills is the mental equivalent of pumping iron. Listen to Before Breakfast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. For decades, the world of late night TV has been totally dominated by white people, men, and most of all, white men. That's been changing the last few years, and thankfully, we're about to get a new addition to the lineup. We're joined today by comedian, writer, and host of the not quite yet premiered show, The Amber Ruffin Show. Amber, good afternoon. Hi! Yay! So, first of all, congrats on the show. Thank you. We're doing it. (laughs) I have an office. This is Mm. the very first day in the Mm. office. (laughs) And it's weird. (laughs) You are actually physically in a new office space, or is it just a room in your house that you have yet to be in (laughs) for a while? I have a physical office at 30 Rock. Whoa. That has curtains in it. That's a good first day in an office. (laughs) Can you stand it? Well, some adult was like, we should make it look like, you know, it's a real office. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) I was like, okay. Because, you know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm kind of a sloppy little boy. 
<laughs> okay, so a few days ago, you said in a tweet about a Q&A you did with Vulture that read, quote, I said literally everything I wanted to say about the Amber Ruffin <laughs> show in this interview. So uh, thanks for giving us the scraps, I guess. <gasps> thanks <Goodbye>. for that. <laughs> I really did. I talked forever. And you're, you're about to find out the hard way that I'm liable to do that. For people who haven't read the Vulture piece, what are you most looking forward to trying out on the show that other late night shows haven't done yet? I mean, what am I looking forward to? I don't know. Not failing <laughs> real bad in front of everybody. What am I excited about? Like, I I do wonder how far this can bend towards variety. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a late night show, but ain't hey, but me. So either uh, somebody better show up or somebody better do something because we're not, you know, because it's not going to be like a fucking John Oliver deep dive. It's going to be me doofing around. (laughs) So we'll see. Ooh, we will see. (laughs) <laughs> Your show is going to be airing weekly on Peacock, NBC's new streaming service. Uh, do you think you're going to be able to get away with more than you would have if you were on network TV or basic cable? I hope I'll be able to get away with more. But, you know, I'm not that... Cr- I guess I do like to use um, cuss words a lot. So, mm. okay. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we might run into some problems. Yeah. Okay, I haven't thought everything through yet. <laughs> NBC censors are like waiting. They're just prepared on whatever floor in 30 Rock they live. Yeah, I think there might be some bleeps. Even though doing a comedy show without an audience must be really difficult at times, have there been any positives for your creative process for producing in a pandemic? Um. Yes, the positives are... I like to talk and I like to dick around. So because we're all separate, all the writers are in L.A. Jenny's in her house with her child and I am here. So it's we're not goofing around. Mm, You can only just sit here and write your sketches and do your work. There's no getting up and like going to like bug someone at the next desk over like, hey, did you watch that TikTok I sent you yet? Yes. Look at this T-shirt I found. (laughs) (laughs) I stole this from the boss's office. Let's see if he notices. Like those shenanigans, that's me, bud. It it stops now. You are a doofy little boy. (laughs) It's real bad. Yeah. So you spent the last six years working on Late Night with Seth Meyers, where you were the first black woman to write for a network late night series. What do you think has changed about the industry since then? Um, Well, I think everybody uh, got a taste of it. Like they, a, a lot of businesses, corporations, TV shows and blah, blah, blah looked around and went, oh, we don't have any black people. Somebody's got to do something. (laughs) Like the consciousness of the entire country shifted way hard in the tiniest amount of time. So people were able to look back at their old behavior fucking two months ago and be like, ooh, that wouldn't fly today. So, 
So I think people were like, oh, I think we could have saved ourselves a lot of trouble mm. if we uh, had a different culture around here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, they're finding out. So. I'm pretty sure that I was one of the last people you spoke with here at BuzzFeed. Uh, you were on our morning show, AM to DM, last January with yeah. Derek Waters, yeah. promoting the new season of Drunk History. Oh. So, I know, right? So Comedy Central recently said they weren't going to renew the show. Are you going to miss doing that, or is your liver happy right now? Look, I'm drinking no matter <laughs> how many cameras are on me. Um, no, I am sad that we don't get to continue doing it. I'm sad because when you get drunk, no one pays attention to you. There are like several cameras on you and a nurse around the corner in case. (laughs) Did you guys really have a nurse on set with a banana bag just ready? You get there. Well, they get to you. Uh, the nurse has you blow a breathalyzer mm-hmm. at the beginning and then at the end. And then she makes sure she has you take these vitamin things before and after. And she's there. And she was she's like the nicest lady in the world. But look, I was drunk and rowdy. And she, she was like, OK, so you're just going to take this uh, charcoal pill and drink this water. And I was like, I'm not doing shit. <laughs> and I didn't take it. And I needed to take it so badly. And I didn't do it. And I went home and I threw up because I mm-hmm. wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, it was nice to find out that I act that way. I don't think I had been that drunk to that point where I would tell a grown woman who was trying to help me to get out of my face or whatever mm-hmm. I said to mm-hmm. this lady. But uh, yeah, there you go. That's part of who you are. <laughs> so aside from that amazing story, do you have a, a favorite story that you told on the show that you look back and go like, yes, nailed it? Um, I think the first one was the best one. My story about Claudette Colvin being the first woman, the first Rosa Parks, the first right. person to go to jail for Sitting in the uh, white section of a bus, and I was lit. I was so drunk. Uh-oh, a white lady. A white lady gets on the bus. The white lady's like, hey, you guys have to move because I'm white. Claudette's friends leave, but Claudette stays and is like, you know what? I paid my fare the same as this white lady paid her fare. So Claudette's like, F- you, I'm f- sitting. And... I guess I've been drunker since, for sure. Because once you do that first one, you know what your limit is. Yeah. Yeah, then you push past it so you can yell at people. <laughs> and you've seen it. <laughs> I yelled at the, the poor lady. I owe an apology. But the first time you do it, you think, oh, uh-oh, I'm too drunk. And then once you do the story, because, you know, you tell the story a couple times. Once you tell it good once... Hey, there's nothing, there are no more limits anymore. So that's when I realized, even if I did a horrible job, they'd be fine. (laughs) The the editors will find something to make it work. Yeah. So you're going to be launching this show, The Amber Ruffin Show, in competition with the current number one show in late night, Jesus and Miro on Showtime. So I would just love it if you would take this time right now to draw a line in the sand and put them on notice that you are coming for that number one spot. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love them. I love them so much. (laughs) 
they, I mean, I'm, I mean, look, am I gunning for Jesus and Miro specifically? And do I know where they live and I'm coming after them? <laughs> yes. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'd be more than happy to be number two in late night ball bags. <laughs> All right. Well, the Amber Ruffin Show will debut on September 25th. I got that right? That's true. September 25th on Peacock. Amber, thank you so much for joining us. Yay! Thank you for having me. Yay! It's time for Meanwhile on the Internet, and today we've got a treat from the quarantine bubble where they're filming the sixth Jurassic Park movie. Uh, uh Casey, uh, technically, it's the <laughs> third movie in the Jurassic World franchise series. Uh, technically, nerd. In any case, this will be the first movie since the original to bring together the characters Ellie Sattler, Ian Malcolm, and Alan Grant, played by Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill, respectively. And Goldblum and Neil have been dropping videos of the duets the two have been singing to pass the time. Here's them singing the jazz classic, I Remember You. Jeff is on piano and Goldblooming right through Sam's vocals. When my life is through, oh yeah, baby, sing And the angels ask me to recall, to recall the thrill thrill of it all. all. I'm going to tell them. I shall tell them I I remember. remember. Sam Neill. Tell them I, I remember Jeff Goldblum. Tell them I remember you. After the huge response to their first video, they dropped another one yesterday where Neil revealed that Goldblum refuses to rehearse, and so they're always doing their performances for the first time. And oh uh, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> oh the days dwindle down. Days dwindle down to a precious few. So precious days. September. September's getting colder now. November. It's so sad. I hope we brought a coat. And these few precious days. So precious these days. I'll spend with you. I'm gonna spend with you, my friend. These precious days I'll spend with you. I am delighted by this. I really am. I love this so much. I know. It's like it's like just like an SNL skit, you know, where they're just like seemingly coming up with words at the same time, you know, just doing bits the entire way through. I mean, I it's it feel I the fact that Jeff Goldblum clearly has never heard this song before and just kind of playing like the the chords it makes so much sense that jeff goldblum is a jazz performer yes just from the way he speaks uh he doesn't really know where he's going but he's gonna keep talking until he eventually gets to uh his uh his point and uh that was a great impression that, uh, that was thank really you. good thank you oh love wow. that okay i was thinking while i was watching this i was like oh yes the pandemic has hit these two gentlemen they have lost it <laughs> and i was just thinking like i'm sure tons of people uh, you know around the country are doing like you know slightly deranged things like that but you know they're famous so it's funny and cute for us it's sad and they should go get some sleep <laughs> no 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 actually i feel like this actually fits in perfectly with both of their brands goldblum clearly 
is him. But have you ever looked at Sam Neill's Twitter account? No. Is it a good one? Should I be following him? You should because it's at Two Paddocks. It's the it's technically the Twitter account for his winery and farm in New Zealand. And so when he's not, he spent about half the year there. So when he's not shooting movies or TV shows like Peaky Blinders, he's on this farm just hanging out with his farm animals like his pigs and his ducks. And it's a lot of great content. Oh, wholesome. Wholesome, wholesome content. content. <laughs> Well, that's our show for today. We'll be back with you tomorrow to keep catching up on everything we missed last week. And remember, gender is a construct. Fires are real. Don't burn down your neighborhood for a construct. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you'd like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Hey, Lethal listeners, Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But I hadn't counted on a rash of new murders tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger, though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now... All signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on season one of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in season two, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council.